Good evening, church. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 15? And uh, if you're using the Bible in your pew, you'll find it on page 539. Proverbs chapter 15, verses 31 through 33. If you are just joining us, uh, we have been walking through the book of Proverbs for the whole summer. And what we've been studying in Proverbs is that the Lord has designed this world in wisdom. Yes, the world is broken. Yes, there's sin. Yes, there's chaos at times. But even still, the world has been designed in wisdom. And we can see that. And the book of Proverbs gives us instructions on how to live life wisely for every aspect of our lives. And so we've been walking through Proverbs, tackling different aspects of life and considering what God's word has to tell us about living wisely in his created world. And so tonight we're going to be looking at what it means to accept correction. Uh, I know we've been talking a lot about discipline and uh, kids, you have it safe this time. It's not going to be about you, but it's going to be about What are the benefits of accepting correction? And then what does it require for us to accept correction? Before me and Bree got married, um, it's probably two years before we got, three years ago. Bree probably doesn't know this story, so hopefully this goes over well. But I didn't have any money, which is not a shocker. And uh, I knew I wanted to marry Bree, and uh, I knew I had to get a ring. And so I need to make money fast. And so I did what a lot of guys do. Um, I got a job at FedEx Hub. And uh, it was a great time. Um, If you are looking for ways to build character in your children, send them to FedEx Hub. It will do it. Um, It's like an episode of Scare Straight, Beyond Scare Straight. Um, So like with any job, there's a, a training period. For FedEx, it was maybe three days. First two days, you're sitting in the office watching videos, how to pick up a box, how not to hurt your back. And then the last day, it's, all right, let's, let's actually do this. Let's, let's get in, in the, the loading area and, and move some boxes. For that, however long that period of time was, I learned very quickly that this is not for me. It was training. In the moment, it hurt. I didn't enjoy it. And if I would have endured, Bree probably would have had a bigger ring, you know. Uh, But what I learned was that your love doesn't always equate to the size of the ring. Um, Praise God. (laughs) But... I tell you that story because accepting correction doesn't always feel good. Times it hurts. Going through training doesn't always feel good. But what we're going to see in Proverbs 15, verses 31 through 33, that accepting correction produces life, it produces wisdom. But it also requires humility on our part. 
So let's begin by reading our text for tonight, verses 31 through 33, Proverbs chapter 15. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Brothers and sisters, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we just saying you are wonderful and we are in desperate need to see um, who you truly are. Would you speak to us through your word? Would you open our eyes to see and to be instructed on how to live life wisely? Would you soften our hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ that we may be transformed to live lives that are in line with your kingdom and bring you glories. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In verse 31, we see that listening or heeding reproof can actually produce life in the recipient. But to clarify, it isn't just the willingness to listen to reproof that brings about life. That's a good start, but that's not the, the full picture. The other half of that is that you have to desire it and actually seek out this life-giving reproof. And it's through the desire and seeking out of this reproof that actually enables you to receive it. Now, the phrase here, life-giving, isn't just talking about living a healthy, uh, prosperous, long life here on earth. But it's talking about this idea of a full life, the type of life that that all of us probably desire. It's the life that is not contingent upon our finances. It's not contingent upon our health or the level of success or prosperity that we get to experience here on earth. The type of life that this is referring to is the same life that Jesus talks about in John 10. Jesus says, uh, the, the, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But what does Jesus say he's come to do? Jesus says that he's come to give life and that you may have life more abundantly. That's the type of life that Proverbs is speaking of, this life-giving reproof. It's an abundant life, full life. Now, the question is, how do we get that life? Maybe you're here tonight and you're in search of life. And you're asking yourself, where do I go? Who do I turn to to hear this life-giving reproof? If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 119. If not, I can read it. We're just going to look at a couple verses that I think kind of paints this picture of where we actually need to turn to hear this life-giving reproof. So in Psalm 119, verse 25, the psalmist is crying out in anguish. And this is what he says. He says, my soul clings to the dust. 
And if you go down a few more verses in verse 28, he says, my soul melts away for sorrow. What the psalmist is struggling with is something that we all struggle with. It's the, the sense of brokenness of self and humanity. It's not just a emotion of sadness that he, that he's experiencing. What he's experiencing is the weight that we all feel of our own brokenness. Or another way to say it is he's experiencing what it feels like to be in need of life. In Genesis 3, most of us are probably familiar with what happens in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve, they screw it up. They rebel against God. Sin enters the world, brokenness everywhere. And God comes to them. He says, look, it's going to be consequences. You sinned. And Adam, now when you go outside and you try to cultivate the earth and you do your work, it's going to, it's going to require a lot more sweat equity. And Eve, when you are bearing children now, now it's going to be a lot more painful. And God tells them that this is going to continue until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. When the psalmist says that his soul clings to the dust, he's not just saying he's having a bad day. He's not just saying that he's having a tough go at it. What the psalmist is saying is that in his soul, he feels a lot closer to death than he is to life. And for some of us, that may actually be the reality. Not, not just physically, and that may be true, that physically you, you feel like you are drawing closer to death, but more so the state of your soul. You feel this, this deep sense of a need for life. You feel this deep sense of a close, more closeness to, to death than life. But also notice that the psalmist doesn't stay there. In verse 25, he, he gives us the state of his soul. He's clinging to dust. But notice what else he says. He says, Lord, grant me life according to your word. And then in verse 28, he gives us, again, the state of his soul. And then in verse 32, he says this, I will run in the way of your commandments. You see, the psalmist has figured out what a lot of us are asking right now. Where do I turn to hear this life-giving reproof? And I'm going to give you the same answer that the psalmist gives us and all of Scripture gives us. We hear this life-giving reproof from the word of God. The psalmist has figured out that the same life-giving breath that the Lord breathed into the dust to create man is the same life-giving breath that we find in the word of God. And so if we are going to seek out life, The answer is turn to the word of God. 
accepting correction, it does produce life. But not only does it produce life, it produces wisdom for us to be able to live wisely in the here and now. It's not good enough that, that we have life if we don't know how, what to do with the life. And accepting correction actually gives us wisdom for that. Look, look at verse 32. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. I have a um, two-year-old Aussie doodle. Some of you have met her. Her name is Honey. Great time. Um, And we got her when we may have been a week married. Bree says we were six months, but it felt like a couple of days. Talk about wise living. And um, Honey's great right now. She was not always that way. Honey terrorized our lives for a very long time. Um, I thought honey was possessed at times. She did things that normal dogs do not do. And, um, and so we knew that honey needed some training. Like there's no, either she's going to get trained or she's going somewhere else. She cannot live here, but I couldn't, we could not pay for it. We weren't going to pay for it. So I did what any intelligent man does when he doesn't know what to do. He goes to YouTube, went to YouTube watched a lot of videos on how to train a dog. And eventually I found my way to this blessing of a device called the educator. It's a little small device. Um, it comes with a, a second part to it that, that goes around their neck, like a, like a collar or, or a necklace. And with one press of a button, a bad, mischievous, disobedient, goofy dog turns into a well-behaved, obedient dog with one press of a button. Now, I'm not comparing us to dogs, but what I am saying is that honey has learned a lesson that some of us, including myself, especially myself, have yet to learn that we don't know everything, that our way is not always the best way, and that there is value in listening. There's actual value in listening. Verse 32 is directed towards the arrogant, towards those who refuse to listen to instruction towards those who are hard-headed and stubborn. That's who verse 32 is directed at and is calling us and that audience to, to listen for wisdom on how to live this life that we have received from life-giving reproof. Now, the other half of that is that while you aren't listening, verse 32 tells us that you're deceived because you think that you're loving yourself by asserting your own independence, by, by making your own way. 
by standing on your own thought processes and your own intelligence. But what does the verse actually tell us is happening? Whoever ignores instruction, you actually despise yourself. How do you despise yourself if you're ignoring instruction? Well, we just figured out that this life-giving reproof is God's word. And so if we are going to ignore instruction, essentially that means that because all every bit of life-giving reproof at its core is sourced in the word of God. And so to ignore instruction, essentially you are going against the way the Lord has set up his world and the, 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 the law that he has presented to us in his word. And if you're going to do that, you are despising yourself. It's unloving for you to rebel against the law of God. You, you won't win. It's to, to rebel against the law of God, to, to wag your fist at it, to, to disobey. You're not going to hurt or break the law of God. But you, you against the law of God is essentially the equivalent of you going up, up against an 18-wheeler. We don't have to guess who's going to win that battle. And so if you are thinking that in your rebellion, that in your stubbornness, that you are somehow going to beat out the law of God, verse 32 tells us that you are sadly mistaken, that you're actually unloving to yourself and you're despising yourself. But... There is a remedy. He who listens to reproof actually gains intelligence. When it says listen, it's not just talking about the act of, of hearing something, because you can hear and, and actually not hear. What, it's saying was, what, what the proverb is saying when it mentions listening, it's a, the same idea that James gives us, I believe, chapter 2, when he calls us to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. To listen is to accept what's being presented to you, the reproach, the correction that's being presented to you, and to actually practice it, to actually put it to use in your life. And it's the practicing of this wisdom, this this life-giving correction, it's the practice of that that actually produces wisdom in the life of the believer. Even still... Yes, God's word produces life. It produces wisdom. But there is one requirement to actually receiving those things. And that one requirement is a requirement that Jesus fulfilled perfectly, and it's humility. Looking at verse 33. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. We know from the study of Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we also know that when we say the fear of the Lord, we aren't talking about being afraid of God. Where This isn't painting a picture of us in a corner shivering because we're afraid that 
God is going to somehow punish us or he's angry at us. But the fear of the Lord is us knowing God, obeying God, loving God, following him. That is what it means to fear the Lord. And one thing that can prevent you from knowing God and trusting God, loving God and obeying God is pride. George made this point this morning when speaking, preaching on um, Nineveh. Why was it that Nineveh, why couldn't they fear the Lord? What eventually led to them going astray? It was ultimately the pride of life. They had abundance. They didn't see their need for God. And it was the pride of life ultimately that became their downfall. And it's true for us. It's the, it's the pride that can keep us from walking in humility and, and actually having a thriving relationship with God. It's the pride of life that tells us and deceives us into thinking, well, I can trust in fill in the blank. I have the knowledge, I have the skills, I have the resources. What need do I have of God? What, what need do I have to actually listen to instruction? To actually submit to this life-giving reproof? It's the pride of life. And the truth is, you can have pride of life. And be the most honored, celebrated, praised person in the world. Man will glorify you, praise you, honor you, despite you having pride. Our culture celebrates pride. We celebrate it as if it's right. But you would not be honored by God. You can receive honor from man and hold on to your pride or repent of your pride and receive honor from God. Pride is opposed to the gospel. The pride of life and the gospel are like oil and water. They, they don't mix. Pride says, pride says, I got this. The gospel says, I don't got this. Pride says, all I have to do is, is read my Bible more, make better habits, work harder. The gospel says, I just need to rest. Pride says, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not, as, I'm not as bad as them. The gospel says, I know I'm not perfect. And I'm probably worse than them. But God. But God being rich in mercy. Because of his 
great love towards us in Christ Jesus. That even though we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive in Christ Jesus. The Christ Jesus who humbled himself, humbled himself in obedience to the point of death, even death on the cross. And it is by grace you have been saved. That's the gospel. And if you want humility, you must believe in the gospel of Christ. It is that humility that we see at this table tonight. Coming to this table, we we see the humility of Christ. We taste it in the bread and and the juice. And it's that same wisdom, that, that same humility that Jesus has called all of his disciples to. It's a, a humility that, that causes us to take up our cross and to die to ourselves. And it's the same humility that he's calling his entire church to. Accepting correction, it hurts. Training hurts. Reproof hurts, but if you accept it, it will produce life. It will produce wisdom, but it will require humility. But praise be to God that he has made a way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wisdom that you have revealed to us through your word and through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, your word does offer us correction and it does produce life and it does produce wisdom. But Lord, it also requires humility. It requires us to die to ourselves in order to receive what you have to offer. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would do a work in our hearts. Open our eyes to see your goodness, your love, and your compassion towards us. And would that compel us, Lord, to accept the correction that you have offered us. It's in the master's name of Jesus we pray. Amen.